go with me please to the gospel of John the gospel of John chapter 2 as we read the account of the first miracle in the ministry of Jesus John chapter 2 and verse 1 it reads now on the third day there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there and both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding when the, when the wine ran out the mother of Jesus said to him they have no wine and Jesus said to her woman what does this have to do with us my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servant, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were six stone pots there in the Jewish custom of purification, containing twenty and thirty gallons each. So he said to them, Fill the water pots with water. So they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some now and take it to the head waiter so they took it to him. And when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine and did not know where it had come from, but the servants had drawn the water new, the head waiter said to the bridegroom, Every man serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. I want to use this subject this morning, the miracle of conversion. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the holy word of God, which is able to save the soul of those who believe. I pray this morning that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that in hearing the word they might take it to heart, and that they might believe that which is spoken by your spirit. And I pray that none would leave this place without having been challenged to receive by faith what they have heard. I pray all of this in Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Puede tomar su lugar. I want us to go through this portion of Scripture this morning in somewhat of an exegetical fashion. So if you have your Bible open, keep it open. And if you have a pen handy, I want you to mark some things as we look through this account of a very significant event in the life of Jesus and in our lives as well. First of all, we will discover that this incident which occurs is a historical reality. It is not something that occurred as an allegory or a, a myth, but rather a historical account of actual events that took place in the lives of the disciples and in the life of Jesus. And so as we look at it in our day and we look at its historical significance, I want you to look at it also as a teaching that God wants you and I to, to receive and a lesson that he wants us to learn. There is nothing by accident in the word of God. 
Everything God wrote down, He wrote with an explicit purpose, with a, a purpose to bring about His glory and to reveal His will. And I want to just tell you today that no things happen by accident in your life. That God has a, a providential hand at work and that He has brought you into His house this morning because He has a plan and an objective for your life. Now the scripture tells us that Jesus, this is the beginning of his ministry, has just been baptized and, and prior to this wedding he has been tempted by the devil. He has endured a 40 day fast in the wilderness. I'll tell you that fasting in an air conditioned building is hard enough but fasting in the wilderness is a whole other story. And while Jesus is fasting he is confronted by the devil Three times. And his sonship is questioned and challenged. And, and this is all the, these are all the things that are going on just prior to this event. Now you might think that with all of that going on, Jesus is, is starting his ministry. You know, he might be launching a website. He might be printing a newsletter. He might be uh, making sure that his schedule is full. But instead of all of that, he finds time to go to a small wedding in a little village called Cana of Galilee. Scholars tell us that at the time of this account, the village of Cana would probably not have had more than 10 to 12 residents or houses. It was a small village of pretty much insignificant people. People who were living their lives in ordinary fashion, but Jesus had time to be at their wedding. We don't know anything about the couple. We just know that Jesus made time to be a part of this event. And I want to tell you today that Jesus is still making time to be a part of very insignificant things. When you and I think God doesn't know, God doesn't care, God's not relevant or involved, let me tell you, friend, that God is involved. That He is at work in your life. And that if you will, if you will uh, look for Him, you will find Him. He is there, always present, even in the small and insignificant affairs of life. Going to the grocery store, a, a little baby's birthday party, a wedding. He is the ever-present Savior. He knows precisely where you are. And He knows precisely what you need. And isn't it true that most of the time, what speaks most to our heart is just the fact that we can be in His presence. Sometimes we might be praying for a financial breakthrough. We might be praying for a physical need that needs to be met. And, and many times it might be something major, something small. But just knowing that He is there makes all the difference in the world. Can I tell you, if you're going through a storm or if you're going through the ease of life, God is there, He is present, and He is able and available to you when you call. The Scripture says, call upon me and... And I will answer. Aren't you glad he doesn't say I might answer? Aren't you glad he didn't say I could show up? It might work out. He says I will answer. Scripture says that he is an ever present help in the time of trouble. Now verse 2 tells us that Jesus and his disciples were invited. 
This is the second thing I want you to notice is that Jesus not only makes time for simple people, but he answers to invitations. God is not going to break the door down in your life when you and I are, are willing to invite him in. He'll come in, but if we don't want him, he won't come in. He is waiting for you to invite him in. So many times we go through life and we go through troubles without ever inviting God in. And he seems to be, at, at times, the last one we think about when we get into trouble. But he wants to be the very first one that you invite in to your life. That you invite into your situation. I want to ask you this morning, have you invited Christ? Have you invited him into your marriage? Have you invited him into your relationship with your husband, with your wife? Have you invited him into your home? Have you made him Lord of your household? Have you invited him in to your future plans, to your, to your plans for an education, to your plans for a career? Have you invited God in? I remember as a college student or a high school student about to go to college, I knew where I was going to college. I had a, a, a dorm assignment, a roommate, a financial package, and then I decided to pray about it. Ever done that? I decided to invite God into the process, and he said, I don't want you to go there. And where he sent me was where I needed to go, and I thank God for that. But you see, we need to invite him in. And I, I want you to know that you can ask him about anything, and you should pray to him about anything and invite him into every situation in your life. Sometimes we buy a house, we buy a car, get into debt, go to college, pick who to marry, and never ask God. And then we say, Lord, would you bless my plans? He wants to be invited. He wants to be asked into your heart. He wants to be asked into your life. And I want to congratulate you this morning because you came to church this morning. A lot of people, they stayed in bed and they are, um, they're trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. And you came to God's house this morning and you opened the door to your heart and you said, Lord, I need you to come in. I invite you in. Jesus is still answering to open hearts. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. Jason Schwinnabart said it very easily last fall. He said, Jesus wants to hang out with you. Now, hangout's not in the original Greek, but it works, doesn't it? It does, lets you know that Jesus wants to spend time with you. He answers that invitation of that hungry heart. The Bible tells us that he won't reject that cry of, of those who call out to him in faith. There are so often times when, when we've called out to him and he has manifested his glory. And so this morning, it's a simple reality, but he wants you to be invited in. Now, there's a clue here that's interesting. You don't see it in the English, but in the Greek, the implication is that the disciples were not invited originally, but they were invited. Invited because they showed up with Jesus. And this makes a lot of sense because most of the time when you get a wedding invitation, you get it about a few weeks in advance. And these guys had just started following Jesus. So nobody knew about them. They, they weren't part of the invitation. And when Jesus RSVP'd, he RSVP'd as one. But he shows up with about six guys. Now six in the party. 
They weren't a part of the original invitation, but when they showed up with Jesus, they got invited in. Can I tell you that this is no mere accident? When you and I were, were born, we were born outsiders. Outside of the covenants of God, outside of the promises of Israel. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, without hope and without God in the world, we were outsiders looking in. But then you and I came to Christ. And you gave your life and your heart to Christ and He came in and He made you part of the family and now when you show up at the marriage supper of the Lamb, guess what? You and I are going to have a seat at the table. Somebody ought to give God praise. I was an outsider. Now I'm an insider. I was down and out. Now I'm up and over. I was a stranger. Now I'm a son of the living God. And when you show up with Jesus, you have all the benefits. The Bible says that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus. Everything that belongs to Jesus belongs to me because I am in Christ. And it belongs to you because you are in Christ. That means if Jesus is righteous, you and I are righteous. If Jesus is just, you and I are just. If Jesus has peace, you and I have peace. If you and I, if Jesus has health, you and I have health. If Jesus has blessing, you and I have the blessing and favor of the Father. Have you sat down lately to read about all that you have in Christ? In Him. We have received a spirit of adoption. We have been adopted into the family of God. Now here's the thing about adoption. Uh, when, when someone has a biological child, they have no choice. Right? You, I, I can tell by your laughing that you are witnessing to this fact. But you will choose who you adopt. The Bible says that you and I have been adopted into the family of God. So when you show up with Jesus, you get all the blessings. These guys were not wedding crashers. They had an invitation because they were invited through him. You see, friends, you and I have no hope. We have no way of getting to the Father. Jesus said, none comes to the Father except through me. None of our prayers will be answered outside of Christ. No, no sinner will ever be forgiven outside of Christ. Not a single sin will ever be washed away outside of Christ. But in Christ, every sin has been washed away. Every sin has been forgiven. And all of the access that Jesus has to the very throne room of the living God, you and I have in Him. He is seated at the right hand of the majesty of God and He ever lives to make intercession for us as our representative before the Father. And because He is there, you and I have access to the presence of the living God. Aren't you glad you were invited to the wedding? Now they're at the wedding, they're eating carne guisada. Barbecue chicken, I don't know what they were having. I know they weren't having pork. There was, there was no pork chops at this wedding. They were having the feast. The disciples were getting to know one another. You know, this thing was just getting started. Jesus Christ Ministry International was just about to get 
on his feet. And they had a little problem at the wedding. The Bible says that they ran out of wine. Now in a Jewish wedding, that's a big deal. It'd be like you running out of Carnegie at your wedding. It's an embarrassing fact for the family. They obviously didn't prepare enough. Some people say that it was because Jesus brought extra guests to the wedding. <laughs> 2,000 years later, they're still picking on him for bringing people to the party. They weren't invited. I have a hard time thinking five disciples could have drank all that extra wine. But this was a problem. And really the fact is this, that this is the world's problem. The world always runs out. This is the problem of all mankind. Mankind always runs out. No matter how wealthy you are, money runs out. No matter how educated you are, your education will run out. There will be moments in life where you will look around and say, I don't know what to do. No matter how strong you are, your strength will run out. So if, your day, if, you, if today you're vigorous and strong, just enjoy it while it lasts. Gravity always wins. Strength will run out. And man may live, and he may live a long life, but sooner or later, your days are going to run out. This is the inevitable conclusion. They ran out of wine. Men may try pleasures and they might try the pleasures of this world, but the end of all pleasure is that, that a cry of Solomon the king, vanity of all vanities. He knew that as much money and education and power and sex and, and pleasure as he had, it was empty and it was void of anything that could truly satisfy the soul of man. And he ran out. No matter how high an achievement you may obtain, it will run out. The story is told of an Olympic runner who, in the 30s, he, he won a gold medal. Right after the ceremony, they went in to find him sobbing in the locker room. And, and they asked him, what's the matter? You should be ecstatic. You just won the gold medal. He said through tears, he said, I just realized the moment I received the medal... That I was just as empty as I was before. He said, I worked my whole life for this, believing that it would satisfy the aching of my soul. But it couldn't satisfy it, friend. Nothing in this world can do that. Everything in this world will run out. There is only one eternal source, and that is Jesus Christ. There is only one fountain that never runs dry. Have you run out? Have you run out of strength? Have you run out of that power to go on? Maybe you've thought about life and you thought, I just can't make it anymore. Can I tell you that those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength and they will rise up with wings like an eagle. 
Have you run out of faith? Look again to Christ. Listen again to his word. And let faith be built up by the Spirit of God in your soul. Have you run out of hope? Have you come to the end of the road and wondered where is God? Let me tell you, friend, hope again in, the, in God. He will give you a reason to praise Him. Have you run out of joy? Let me tell you that there is an eternal source of all joy. Jesus Christ is the answer for that. And see, it's beneficial then that they had invited him to this wedding. You ever looked around, as I'm sure the bride and groom did, as they were riding off to their honeymoon, and, uh, and they looked at each other and said, Man, I'm sure glad Jesus was there today. Have you ever looked at your spouse or, or your family member and said, I'm so glad God showed up? I'm so glad that the Lord was on our side. Maybe you said like the psalmist, if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, my enemies would have risen up against me and swallowed me whole. But thank God that in the nick of time he showed up and he brought rescue and salvation to my soul. We sing the old hymn or the old, the old chorus of the, of the church. He healed my body. He healed my mind. He saved me just in time. If Jesus is part of your life, friend, he will be there through the thick and the thin. He will be there when you have a lot and he'll be there when you have nothing. You had better be sure he's in your life. Now Mary comes to Jesus. She says, "Um, there is no more wine. And Jesus had a classic man answer. I love him for that. He said, woman, this is not my problem. What does it have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Now, I want you to notice this. He said his hour had not yet come, meaning that the dispensation of his ministry was not yet come. But Mary forced the issue. You know that faith can force the issue? I said, do you know that faith can force the issue? You can have all the need in your life and need won't move the hand of God. Move, need won't move anything, but faith will move God. There's a lot of need in the world and it doesn't get met. But when faith is in the world, God is attracted to your faith. Is there any faith at Kingsway Church this morning? You see, God is attracted to faith. If there is faith in your heart, you say, how much faith, pastor? How much faith do I need to attract God? The Bible said if you had as much faith as a grain of mustard seed, just just that much. If you have just that much faith, God says, you'll attract my presence. You'll attract my anointing. You'll attract my power. You'll attract my provision. God is drawn to faith. You cannot keep him away from faith. Without faith, the scripture says, it is impossible. Not improbable, but impossible. Not difficult or challenging, but impossible to please God. You can't please God without faith. 
And it's not about having a lot of faith. Some people have a lot of faith in a little God. It's about having, even if it's a little faith, in a big God. Mary said, didn't even talk back to Jesus. He said, woman, what do I have to do with this? It's not my hour yet. And, and, and Mary said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. You're like, there's got to be a paragraph missing here in the Bible. There, there has to be a conversation or something. She just assumed, I'm going to force the issue. And, and, and she, passed, she passed the buck. This is why we don't pray to Mary or worship Mary, because she passed the buck. If you want to be saved, don't go to Mary. She's, she's going to tell you, go to Jesus. If you want to be saved, don't go to Abraham. He's going to tell you, go to Jesus. If you come to me, I'm going to tell you, go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He is the Savior. He is the problem solver. Whatever he says to do, do it. These are the most important instructions you and I can receive and put to practice. That God says, whatever I, my son tells you to do, do it. Even God on the Mount of Transfiguration, when he spoke about Jesus, he said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Are you listening to him? You say, Pastor, you say this every Sunday. Guess what? I'm going to say it again. You already know what I'm going to say. My sheep here. All right. That's a good church. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. How many of you can hear his voice? There's some sheep in the house. I, I, don't, I can't speak for the goats, but the sheep will hear his voice. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. What's God telling you to do? Maybe he's been telling you, I want you, I want you to start tithing. You say, Lord, I don't have enough faith for that. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. We're going to borrow Nike's motto, all right? I want you to say, just do it. All right. So if he tells you to tithe, just do it. it. We're going to have to work this out, okay? If he tells you to tithe, all right, thank you. If he tells you to forgive, tells you to love your neighbor, if he tells you to repent, whatever he tells you to do, all right. See, you have to expect that God talks to you. But it's not enough to hear Him. You need to obey Him. Jesus said, don't call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say. If you're going to call, if you're going to hear His voice, do what He says to do. And I know God is speaking to you because He has so much for this church to accomplish. And he's spoken ideas and plans and vision into every one of your hearts. And he's, he's challenging you today to just do it. You might not have all the resources, 
Just do it. You might not have the plan all figured out. Just do it. Take the first step in obedience to Christ. He will honor our faith in obedience to Him. This is the same message He gave us last week, isn't it? Peter said, Lord, we have worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, the Spanish reads a little different. It says, on your word. We've fished all night and caught nothing, but on your word. We will cast our net again. And I believe the same thing happens when, when Jesus is walking on the water and Peter sees him and he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. Jesus said, come. Peter didn't think about it. He just got out of the boat. Stepped on the water. And the man is standing on the Sea of Galilee. And he's walking to Jesus. You say, yeah, but he sunk. Well, I haven't done this, so I'm not going to criticize him about that. But the man walked on that water. And scholars say he didn't walk on water. He walked on the word. You see, when you have received a word from Jesus, walk on it. I said, walk on it. Walk on it. Have you received a word from Christ? Walk on it. But there's nothing there. The word is there. And if the word is there, God is there. Whatever he tells you to do, just do it. He told us at the beginning of the year, whatever you do will prosper. God won't bless what you hope to do. He won't bless what you would like to do or what you plan to do or what you uh, dream about doing. He will bless what you do. We have to be a doing church. God blesses doing. The scripture says of the righteous man that the Lord bless and prospered everything that he does. So Mary's instruction is the same instruction from the Lord to us this morning. Whatsoever he tells you to do, do it. Now, Jesus has been moved ahead of schedule by faith. And I just want to point this out. It was a woman's faith. Are there any ladies in the house? Oh, come on. I said, are there any ladies in the house? If you are the son or daughter of a praying mother, just quit. Stop sinning. Stop running. Give up. God always gets his man. If you're the husband of a faith-filled wife, just give up, buddy. You might have been drugged to church, but... Someday you're going to walk in here under your own volition because God will always get his man. I'm encouraging some mamas this morning. Don't give up. Don't quit. Your faith can force the issue. Your faith can force the issue, force the door open. Jesus now is involved. 
Now, in the, in the house, there were six water pots. Scripture said they contained about 20 to 30 gallons each. These water pots were used once every few days for the process of legal purification according to the law of Moses. There's a wedding going on and there is a need, a lack at the wedding. Jesus is involved and he finds as his instrument stone pots that represent the law of Moses. Now, a new dispensation is about to begin. The disciples, though they don't know it, are standing on the very borderline of law and grace. They're about to leave that legal system of law whereby sanctification comes through works and they're about to enter that legal system of grace whereby sanctification comes through faith. And don't let anyone be misguided or confused. Grace is a legal matter. Grace is a legal system. Grace is the law of the kingdom. And the disciples, though they didn't know it, were standing on the very front line, the very border, about to enter into a totally different dispensation. And so Jesus uses those six clay pots representing the law of Moses. And he's about to manifest his glory through them. You see, those clay pots speak to us of the stone, the law of the Ten Commandments which the Bible says that if it falls upon a man, it will utterly crush him. All of us are guilty under the law. If you ever told a lie, even a single little white lie, you are guilty of having broken the entire law of God. The Bible said if you, if you look at a woman who's not your wife to lust after her, you have committed adultery in your heart. We are under the law, guilty under God, the law of God. If you ever stole even so much as a bubble gum out of the convenience store, you've broken the law of God. The, gospel, the book of James says that if anyone violates the law, even on one point, he is guilty of it all. And it's necessary this morning for you and I to understand that because you and I are going to be judged either by law or grace. If you don't receive Christ as your Savior, someday you will have to answer to God for whether or not you kept His law and the answer will be no. And these six pots represent that legal system. Now what's about to take place here is extraordinary in its significance because the scripture tells us about another man whose ministry began with a similar miracle. This man was named Moses. Whereas Jesus would begin the dispensation of grace, Moses would be the, beginner, the, the founder of the dispensation of the law. Scripture says that when Moses went before Pharaoh and he told him, let my people go, Pharaoh hardened his heart. God told Moses, take your staff and put it in the Nile. And the Nile, the waters of the Nile were turned to blood. That is the ultimate effect of the law. It is judgment. It is wrath. 
It is the contempt of Almighty God towards sinful man. Pharaoh and all of Egypt came under the judgment of God because they had rejected the law and the principles of God. Friend, can I tell you that if you reject Christ, the scripture says, there is nothing left for you but the dreadful expectation of judgment. book of Hebrews says that. If you reject Christ, I'll say it again, there's nothing left for you except the dreadful uh, expectation of judgment. Can I tell you also, friend, that we are not under law? I said we are not under law, but we are under grace. We're under a new dispensation. And Jesus, when he came, he came not to turn water into blood. But that is the outcome of the wrath of God in the law. But rather he came to turn water into wine. This is the outcome of grace. Under Moses, something good became bad because it was a rejection of God. But under Jesus, something bad becomes good because of the grace of an almighty God. These, this conversion experience in this water was a symbol of what grace would mean in the heart and life of any person who comes to Christ. You and I, when we come to Christ, friend, we can experience that miracle of conversion. Can I tell you this? If Jesus can turn ordinary water into wine, don't you think he can turn a sinner into a saint? That he can make a man who's broken into a man who's whole and a woman who's broken into a woman who's whole. This is the transformative power of Christ. Government tries in vain. I know many of you work in our correctional institutions. It's interesting we call them correctional institutions, but they cannot correct anything. Someone said you take a, uh, there was a man who would, who would, he would steal railroad spikes. They said, we're going to do this. Uh, we're going to try to correct his character. They sent him off to Harvard. He came back. Now he was educated, and he went and he stole the whole train. He was now an educated thief. Education can't correct the heart of man. You say, well, if I just had more money, I'd be different. No, friend, if you, if you had more money, you'd be the same kind of you. It can't correct it. He said, well, it'll be willpower then, preacher. It's willpower that'll change my life, friend. You can have all the willpower in the world and it cannot change the nature of man. The, the nature of man is bent towards sin. Like a bicycle with a bent with a bent wheel, it always tends towards sin. This is the nature of man. But I haven't come to preach bad news this morning. I'm here to tell you that there is one who is able to transform the nature of man and make him right before God. Now some of you are just sitting there listening because you have been saved so long you forgot what it was like to be lost. But I want you to remember what you were like. I want you to recall your mind 
outside of Christ. Your heart outside of Christ. Your lust outside of Christ. Your emotions outside of Christ. Is, is there anybody in here that can tell me you're different now? Has Jesus changed your life? You see, the only one that can do that is Christ. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. I had a friend in, in high school. He was from the Methodist church. They got a new pastor. He said, I said one day, um, how's your new pastor? He said, not so good. I said, what's wrong with him? He said, he's one of those born again types. I said, born again, that's a prerequisite at our church to be the pastor. Are you one of those born again types? I said, are you one of those born again types? Have you been born again? Have you been converted? Have you been changed? Somebody says, well, Pastor, I I came to Christ, but nothing changed. I got saved, but nothing changed. I have to tell them I'm sorry, but I don't think you got saved. Because when you get saved, you change. Things change. That's like saying I, I, came, I had an encounter with a moving train, but nothing changed. If you have an encounter with a locomotive, you're going to change. And when you have an encounter with the Almighty God, your life is going to change. Your appetite changes. Can I get a witness this morning? Now, you, you guys don't know what I know, but I know a lot. Some of you are sitting next to a former drug addict. And you couldn't, you couldn't tell? You tried all afternoon to figure it out. Some of you are sitting next to a drug dealer. I, I get... I get so tickled sometimes, I think. The, the drug dealer and the former drug addict are sitting in the same church, worshiping the same God and magnifying the power of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. Give God praise. And it's not an awkward family reunion, you know. It's, there's love in the house because Jesus is the, is the transformer of the human heart. He's the, cha- he's the change maker. I told you about Jack Cole, but he, he came into church drunk or needing a drink. He thought he was finding a, uh, a bar. He found a church. He thought he found a dance hall. He found a camp meeting. And he found Christ. The story is told of the, of the old preacher who, who, who prior to becoming a preacher, he was a drug addict. So, so bad was his addiction that his, his little boy, when he died, he went into the funeral and he, he took the shoes off of his feet so he could sell them. So he could get another fix. 
Some of you don't know anything about that kind of despair, but some of you live with it every day. And I'm here today to tell you that if you will invite Jesus in, that he can convert your soul and change your heart and free your body and your mind and your spirit to serve the living God. This is the power of Jesus Christ. Now here's the best part about it. The scripture says, they took the wine and they began to serve it. And the head waiter tasted it and he said, hey, everybody gives the best wine first. They start serving the Dr. Pepper and the Coca-Cola first, and when they run out, they serve Dr. B. (laughs) But you started, they said, but you started us on on the poor wine, and you ended with the good stuff. He didn't know what had happened. He didn't know that he was drinking miracle wine. He didn't know that he had just entered into a dispensation of grace. You see, the the, the water pots and the water in them could only purify the external. But now he was drinking something that was able to purify the internal. Jesus Christ is able to cleanse the very conscience of man, the very heart of man. Somebody this morning, you said, Pastor, I cannot live my guilty conscience. The scripture says this, even if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. And he is able to cleanse your conscience from from dead works so that you can serve the living God. Hallelujah! What a Savior! Kingsway Church, I say this prophetically this morning. This church is more than 80 years old, but God has left the best wine for last. We are about to see revival in the land, power in the land, the conversion of souls. Somebody get ready. Get ready. Get ready. God is on the move. God is on the move. What's he after, preacher? What's he after, preacher? He's after your heart. God so loved the world that he gave what did he give he gave a son which son his only begotten son that whosoever that's rich that's poor that's educated uneducated whosoever will believe him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus doesn't want you to perish. You see, friend, you can go from a wedding to hell without Christ. You can party all your days long and end up in the eternal separation of the wrath of God. You can live Life's hard and difficult days, but if you give your life to Christ, we're going to a wedding. 
God wants you there. There's a table with your name on it. There's a plate with your name on it. God wants you there. And all you have to do is invite Him in. The hymn we sang this morning says, if you wait until you're better, you'll never come at all. Some of you are waiting until you're better. That's like saying, I'm going to wait till I'm healed before I go to the doctor. You can't wait till you're healed till you go to the doctor. You got to go to the doctor in order to be healed. Some of you are saying, well, I'll get, it, I'll get smarter and then I'll go get educated. No, friend, the way you get smarter is to be educated. I'm here to tell you, you can't get better until you come to Jesus. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. Today, if you hear His voice, say yes to Him. Say yes to Him today. Answer the call. Make an invitation. Open the door of your heart. You say, Pastor, I don't understand all of that. All you need is a little bit of faith. You say, God, I believe that you love me. That Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And that is the beginning of a changed life.